you would, if you stand with me, please, as we read God's word. And while you are standing, turn in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 2. We will be reading the entire passage this morning. If you need a Bible, please feel free to use a pew Bible located right in front of you. You can find our reading this morning on 528, page 528. Follow along as I read Psalms chapter 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Let us pray. Father, we come. Father, we come. We humbly come before you as a righteous judge. Righteous anger. Lord, and we thank you for your son who paved the way to make us right with you. Lord, may you open our ears, open our hearts to your word this morning. May you just use Tom, speak through him, and minister to us today. And we give you all the glory and praise. In your name I pray, amen. What an honor and privilege it is to be back here at LifeBridge. It has been quite a while, and some of our dear sweet people have come up and said, where are the boys? I said, well, we kind of graduated them off, you know, and the girls have taken over. And they're like, oh boy, we're going to pray for you. And I'm like, yes, I need your prayers. And um, both our boys are in seminary, and uh, my youngest was in Las Vegas yesterday and got to work with 15 families and invited them to church. They're ministering around the campus of UNLV. Um, My oldest is in love. And uh, just asked me, Dad, can I marry this girl? And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, our life is about to change. And um, I have thoroughly enjoyed being here this week because I feel like I'm with family. For almost 20 years, we have been your missionaries. My wife and I have been missionaries on the field. We left in October of 1997 for 22 years. And I see so many faces that encourage me. The staff that tells me they love me and they pray for me. And uh, so I feel like I'm in family. Carmen, you come and visit me. And uh, so, and it is so good to see Pastor and his wife. And they're an encouragement to me uh, for so many years ago taken on this little missionary family that was going to this country, Cuba, 
and now ends up in the Dominican Republic. And I've enjoyed being with the missionaries. I have uh, thoroughly uh, enjoyed Mitch's presentation on how the growth of Africa is going to be an amazing thing. I learned from Bob that he loves broccoli. (laughs) And I did not relate to Bob in that because I do not like broccoli. (laughs) And then talking to the the young missionaries going to um, Germany... Uh, just the interaction that we had at Manny's restaurant, all the Mexican food you stuffed with me. I still have the Tres Amigos pastor in my stomach. He told me I had to get that, and I feel like I haven't needed to eat after that as well. So I, I really do appreciate that. And just a little bit about me from those who are new, because I also see many new faces, and that is such an encouragement. Um, I'm just a guy from Lubbock, Texas. And uh, if you know anything about Lubbock, Texas, it's flat. Kind of boring. Highest place you'll ever go on in Lubbock, Texas is the overpass, and you'll see all the way to Dallas. <laughs> the most exciting thing that we've ever had is actually a gift to you. We had a guy by the name of Patrick Mahone. <laughs> I'm telling you. And I go in Lubbock now, and there's like Kansas City Chief banners around. <laughs> like, what has gone on with our city? And all the excitement left. But you know, uh, the most exciting thing about that ever happened in my life happened in Lubbock, Texas. And uh, I was a young man playing basketball. I was 18 years old. A friend of mine who I had watched for many years, he just uh, came up to me and said, Tom, will you go to church with me? It was that simple. And having looked at him for many years, I knew he was really different than I was. And I was curious. And I accepted his invitation. I went to a small Baptist church there in Lubbock. I remember the man preaching, saying that I had a problem. And that problem was sin. And I kind of agreed with him. I was like, yeah, I really did. And and that led me to the saving knowledge and power of Jesus Christ. And Christ became my refuge. That's the greatest thing, a single event that's ever happened in my life. If you had ever said, I would be to going to these flags... As a missionary on that day, I would say, you're crazy. I would never be a missionary. But God doesn't work by revealing his entire plan the moment you get saved. It's one day, step by step, plan by plan. And then one day, that still small voice, he called me to be a missionary. And I went to Bible college. And then the greatest story in my life ever began was I met the prettiest little girl at Baptist Bible College and married her. That was probably the smartest thing I've ever done. And I have enjoyed thoroughly being your missionary. To this day, for 20 years, I still love being a missionary. So, we are in Psalms chapter 2. When Chris called and asked me uh, to preach, he introduced to me the text. And uh, I began, you know, kind of flipping through uh, my sermons and said, Whoa, I don't have a sermon on Psalms chapter 2. And uh, I, I really have fallen in love uh, with this, this idea of the conference of refuge for the nations and this text in particular. And uh, if you would, let's just go look at Psalms chapter 2. I'm not going to read the whole thing again, but I just want to point out some scriptures that we're definitely going to be uh, looking at today. Um, look at chapter uh, 2, verse 1. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Verse 3. 
Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Verse 6. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I love that verse. That is such, I mean, uh, throughout my studies, that verse is the key verse for me. Now, therefore, verse 10, be wise. Very important. Be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all those who put their trust in him. In your pew Bible, it says, blessed are those who have their refuge in him. And that's how we get the theme of our conference. And some of you may be asking yourself, what in the world are we doing in Psalms chapter 2 for this missions conference? I mean, couldn't we do something a little different? Um, Couldn't we be like over there in chapter 1, Uh, Be a tree planted by the rivers of the still waters. That's really calming. Um, How about, uh, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. Blessed be the man that, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed. Let's be blessed. That's a good theme. That's popular. Why are we in Psalms about the nations raging, God laughing while he's smashing them? That's a little bleak. What on earth do we have to do right now in Psalms 2 that has to do with missions? Well, let me tell you. These Psalms, while beginning in the time of David, continued in the, in the New Testament. They were the songs of the New Testament. Over 140 times in the New Testament, the Psalms are quoted. They too were the songs of the people of Jesus who knew Him personally in the songs they gravitated to. Psalms chapter 2 just happens to be by far one of the most quoted psalms in the New Testament. Which brings an interesting question. Why? Why were the people of the New Testament gravitating so much to Psalms chapter 2, a psalm about smashing pots and kissing people? Got some laughter out of the young people, at least. What was it that drew them to this? Well, every song, and Psalms is a song, that is kind of like your emotions. It's a, it's a process of your experience. And uh, if you fall in love, you want to write a love song. Right, Carmen? We're important. That's important in the Dominican Republic. We've got to have love songs. If I have experienced betrayal... I write a song of betrayal. We write songs as a reaction to a moment. And this song is a reaction to fear. So I think it applies to us because it's a song that answers the question, how do we advance the cause of Christ when in the world there is so much chaos? It's easy to get defocused and not focused on what our mission is as a church. How can we do missions when the world feels so out of control. And I know a lot of the parents here probably have experienced moments in their life when we feel just a little out of control. 
There is no denying today that fear is in the world. And at some point, you can just feel it. And in many times, it's not unwarranted. In our last missionary letter, and over the last few weeks, we have been trying to communicate how important it is to pray for Haiti. With all of the crazy chaos that's going on there, the video that we showed on Thursday night, and let me tell you, even right now, our country desperately needs your prayers. While this is very much on the minds of many of the people that we have right now in church this very morning, the reality is this is going on in 15 other countries all over the globe. It's happening a lot of places, not just in Haiti. The persecution that the early church experienced was intense. And they too saw the nations raging. And Psalms 2 is the Lord's affirmation that He is all-powerful and He has the authority over the nations. In Psalms 2, we hear four distinct voices. The first voice of the four voices we hear in the first three verses of our text as the nations are amassing in rebellion against the Lord's anointed, and the voice of the nations is clearly rage. Verse 3 says, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Okay, so you may be asking, what are these bands or these cords we're talking about here, Tom? That's a little bit figurative, okay? Well, think of it like this. These Ten Commandments that God gave us in the Old Testament are like cords. When somebody says today, we don't need the Ten Commandments in our schools. We don't need the Ten Commandments in our courthouses. We don't need to put them up in public places. They are simply flat out wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. This is a work-based salvation. We are saved by grace. But I'll say this. God gave them, and He gave them to protect mankind. And they are being thrown out the door and destroyed all over the place. Just this one was destroyed in Oklahoma, just a little bit over that way. Right now, we are experiencing lawlessness in countries I've lived in because of the fact that crime is simply not being punished. There has been a terrible toll of lives that would not have been sacrificed had laws been enforced. You see, we are living in a day when the prevailing philosophy is let us break these bands asunder, let's cast away the cords. Let's do what's right in our own eyes. Or a popular phrase, we want to be free to do as we please. Does that sound familiar? God says, we can't make it that way. It won't work. We got old sin nature that needs to be restrained. That's why we have laws. But mankind is moving towards getting rid of every restraint. All bands, all cords. It's very disturbing. It can get depressing if you focus on it. And as Christians, we're supposed to be focused on this life, this wonderful Christian life that He has given us. 
Right now, if you really start to focus on just the daily intake of what's going on, you're going to see in the political world there is confusion. In the moral realm, there is corruption. In the spiritual sphere, there is compromise and indifference, apathy, materialism. In the social sphere, there is comfort. The affluent society never had it so easy, and their real goal at the end of the day is to make it even easier. We are living in that kind of day. It's disturbing. And behind all of that is rage. Rage against God Almighty and rage against His Holy Word. But, I love these pauses. But, there is an amazing sound that comes from heaven And it's the second voice. It's the voice of God, the Father, in verse 4. He answers the question that we find in verse 1. Why do the heathen rage? And in verse 4, it's answered with laughter. Because the rebellion of the nations is ludicrous from the standpoint of the Lord. When men united against God's Son at His first coming, and He was crucified on the cross, all heaven wept. That we, all of us, crucified Jesus Christ. Because the rebellion of the nations is partly part of us too. When we sin, we have been separated by God. No man, not the heathen, the Antichrist, nor Satan himself can stand against God. And when God comes back the second time, all heaven laughs because they know there is no standing against the sun. Even the face of hate, the Bible teaches us, even though you may right now, and I don't know every single person's situation, where you're at, maybe there's some young people that are in school that are facing some bullies. Maybe there's some actual Christians who are standing up for Christ in their workplace and they're being a little bit called out. They're being a little bit persecuted. Let me tell you, we are not to fear the rage. Jeremiah 1.8 says, No temas delante de ellos porque contigo estoy para liberarte, dice el Señor. Jeremiah 1.8 in English says, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Even in the face of rage, in hatred towards God, towards His Holy Word, we are not to fear. I've experienced the rage, the hate. I would say it's atheistic hate, satanic rage. My captors, when I first went to prison, I still remember their names, I still pray for them. Their names were Johan and Roberto. They interrogated me 13 hours a day after putting me in prison, spitting, screaming. Many times when I wouldn't even be speaking, they would still do things that were unspeakable. And the lies, the lies telling me I was CIA, politically subversive and counter-revolutionary, that'll make you have a good day. 
screaming when there was glass behind me. And you know they had other people watching all of this. And I could hear people, actually, the walls were rattling with screaming that I was right from the Casa Blanca, the White House, which was just a bunch of foolishness. Dragging me in front of a full-size poster of Fidel Castro and trying to get me to start up a conversation with him. Putting me in front of doctors and lawyers and labeling, trying to label me criminally insane just because we believe little children could receive Christ. Putting our pastors in prison, my friends in prison, their wives in prison, and they even put Regina in prison. Threatened to take our children away. Told her, can you imagine... Mothers having a state government, communistic government, tell you, I'm going to take your children away. And then after Regina trying to establish the situation, says the Holy Spirit called us to Cuba. They, in turn, began to cuss the Holy Spirit, something I've never even seen. And still to this day, day, breaks my wife's heart. Why so much hate? Even here in the U.S., I feel many of the demonstrations nowadays in our country have deep roots, not just in youthful rebellion, but rage. Rage against God. Why so much hate? Because there's a true connection, men and women listening, there's a true connection with darkness. Darkness grows, my friends. Darkness overwhelms. Hence the fear. It offers no refuge. It serves the notion of hopelessness, thereby accentuating the fear, manipulating the fearful. Darkness covers beauty, reduces joy, deadens motivation, kills productivity, and restricts one's options. Truth brings them closer. Darkness moves them farther away. In the beginning, from the beginning... Darkness has been the bearer of fear. The dark can become darker. What is frightening can become terrifying. And in this storm of gloom, while the heathen rage, everyone needs a light. A light that will bring relief from the suffering and from the finality of darkness. Amen? Then. Then. As a shout, as an exclamation in the dreary, dreadful sadness of all of this, there is a voice, a voice introducing God the Son. Yet, I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I love that. I love that verse. He sets his king on the hill. Why? Why do you love that verse so much? Because there's no hiding that light that is sitting on God's holy hill. There's no hiding it. Every heathen, every person who has been against God in rage will know he has been set on high. Just a little east of Port-au-Prince is a set of hills. It's called the Masaif de la Seille. It has about 400,000 residents. And in my opinion, it's one of the very last areas where you will find the middle class. The funny thing about this place is about 
how all the other Haitians feel about this place and what happens when the lights go out. They all run outside and look up to Petchenville and they see that little light coming on all over the hill and sometimes they'll clap, sometimes they'll get excited. It's kind of like an entertainment because their lights aren't coming on. And you'll hear people, and I went out to see this phenomenon and see what everybody was out in the streets for. And they'll look at me and they say, Pastor, those people up there, they don't like the dark. First time I witnessed this, I said, well, I don't like the dark that much either. That thing's going on in the dark. Bill things bump in the night. I kind of like the light. And they said, sure, but we can't afford fuel and batteries and all the things that they have. And, you know, all the rulers of the country, they live up there. And they don't like the dark. Because, pastor, bad things happen when their lights don't come on. And I understood how deep that meaning was. You see, in verse 6... It's clear that Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, has been placed on God's holy hill. Jesus is a light. There is no bad thing going to happen on that hill when Jesus has been set on that hill. Amen? Our light comes from the sun here on earth. But let me tell you, when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to light up the whole place. Light here on earth extends the day. Lessens the fear of the night. Light is a beam, a beacon, an eternal flame shining in the darkness. It's best found when in a deep, dark valley, you look up and you see on the hill a light, a torch, a fire, or even a simple candle burning in the most humble abode of Haiti or Tanzania or South Africa, or Germany, or Dubai, or even right here in Kansas City. All it takes is just a little spark. This third voice assures the nations, He indeed will reign, and He will be King. Christ is our refuge, is He your refuge? That tiny spark that is needed is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is the light and has already been acclaimed on high as God's beloved. And we need to have no doubt about the final outcome of what's going to happen in Revelations. Amen? We know who wins in the end, right? We may not win every single battle, All we are called to do is do everything we can to fight. And God is in charge of the results. Now the fourth voice. The voice of God. The Holy Spirit. It's the voice of conviction. It's a warning to the nations. And all that continue without ever having repented of their sin. It's a whisper in the dark. A still, small voice saying, it's not too late to lay down the arms of your rebellion. But everyone better submit and surrender fully to the Son. 
No more of this raging in the darkness. The Spirit here in the last three verses appeals to the mind, it appeals to the heart, and He appeals to the will. First, the mind. He says in verse 10, Now therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. He is saying, we need to be wise. The wisdom of this world is foolishness. Don't boast in your own knowledge. God's wisdom is found in God's holy word. Not in your opinion, not in your vain pursuit of knowledge. With all the knowledge today ever increasing and ever increasing, somehow there is less and less godly wisdom. Then the Spirit appeals to the heart. In verse 11, look at verse 11. And instead of rebelling and resisting, he says, bow down and serve the Lord. He says, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Yes, even those with great wealth, status, authority, need to serve the Lord. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Are you actively serving Him every single day? Is there a plan that you can get involved with right now in serving Him? Absolutely. What an amazing, beautiful picture of worship is verse 11. And finally, the Holy Spirit appeals to the will in verse 12. When just with those first introductory words, the Bible says, kiss the son. This is not a kiss of an affection. This is a kiss of allegiance. It's not a romantic kiss. It's a kiss, again, of humble submission, of total surrender. When a vanquished ruler surrendered to a conquering monarch, he would bow his allegiance with a kiss, either on the cheek, on the hand, or on his feet. Another way of seeing this is it's like the Old Testament way of saying Acts 16.31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Don't wait. Don't procrastinate. Kiss the Son before it's too late. Believe on Jesus Christ before it's too late. Trust in Him he is our refuge. In Him, we have a personal Savior once we receive Him by faith and repentance. To us as Christians, the message is also clear as psalm, the psalm concludes. In our last, very last verse, let me ask you, are you trusting Him? Blessed are those who put their trust in Him. Blessed are those who find their refuge in Christ. Are you trusting Him? Is Christ your refuge? I don't mean, are you saved? If you're a Christian, you are saved. I mean, is your faith resting in Him? Are you trusting Him by faith this week to reach the nations? Are you trusting Him by faith to reach everyone possible here in Kansas City? Right now, Kansas City is a refuge to the nations. 
We've got to make sure their refuge is in Christ. Are we reaching others like we're supposed to? Reaching others with the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ at home is exactly how it works on the field. The first beam of light that shined in our ministry on the island of Cuba was when we began the Bible Baptist Church of Guana High in 2003. Following God's leading and co-laboring together with you, we now have established more lighthouses in Cuba, the Dominican Republic, and in Haiti. All are shining their lights in communities that are in spiritual darkness. A darkness that defines the lives of those that live in this portion of the third world. The families in our churches have found that survival from government, corruption, communism, socialism, is just a daily part of life. And persecuting Christians for simply not believing in the traditional church of Latin America or into Santeria in Cuba, Brujeria, or in Haiti, voodoo, is just kind of normal. Their political wackiness is just kind of accepted many times as being normal. And it shouldn't be normal. Yet, the light of the gospel is not bound. People have taken notice of the light. Miraculously, co-laboring together through your giving to faith promise over these last 20 years, there are 10 organized churches which are lighthouses to their community. Thousands of people have accepted Christ as their personal Savior. Hundreds have been baptized in three different countries. Your prayerful giving has led us all co-labor together with God to be a refuge to the nations. Amen? Amen? But, but, there's more. There's way more to do. And it starts right here with each one of us. God forbid that millions and millions of people would die and go to hell. Because the true church, a true picture of the manifestation and embodiment of spiritual refuge, would, who not only having heard God's voice, we have heard God's voice, and responded to God's Son, and having been filled with the Holy Spirit, we fail to deliver the gospel to those that need to hear it. God forbid. In closing, if you have your Bibles, I'd like to ask that you open your, to one final passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. If you don't have your Bibles, you can look on the back of the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. Here we have verses we could call that little spark. A clear, concise message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's read. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. I love this. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scripture. Two words that you need to look at that. 
Look at the word delivered, verse 3, and look at the word received. Let me give you just a little something. You cannot deliver something you have not received. When you receive Christ as your personal Savior, He became your refuge. And you can't deliver something unless you have it, and you live it, and you love it. It's profound, pretty simple. Paul says, I have received the gospel. And then he defines the gospel. Jesus Christ, what? Jesus Christ died for our sins. Jesus didn't just die, and that was it. He died for you and for me. He was buried, verse 4. And rose again. And Paul says, I received the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now he says his responsibility is to what? To deliver the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you have received the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you are saved this morning, if Christ is your refuge, you have a responsibility, not of just being delivered, but to deliver the gospel of Jesus Christ. So can I ask you a question this morning? Are you delivering the gospel of Jesus Christ right now? Right now to other people? Do you have a plan in your family to do that? Life Bridge Baptist Church, for the last 19, 20 years that I have been coming here, believes in missions around the corner and around the globe. We ought to be delivering the gospel. You that live right here in Kansas City, you ought to be delivering the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people you work with, the people you go to school with, the people who are possibly in your family who you love, people like your neighbors, everyone that you can possibly think of making a plan for, you need to have a plan to do that. Your loved ones and friends that you don't, that you're not for sure to have Christ, you definitely need to introduce them to Lifeway Baptist Church. It might be just as simple as coming up to a guy, young people on a basketball court, and say, Will you go to church with me? That's all it was that changed my life. There was no track, special invitation. I had watched his life, and that's how simple it was for me. You are to be delivering that which you have received. And then through the missions efforts of the church, by supporting missionaries like myself, both financially and through prayer, we can also deliver to the gospel to the nations. These missionaries that are here with us this morning are able to go to places that probably I nor you will ever get the opportunity to visit. I hope one day I get to go. But I truly believe, regardless of whether we get there and see that, I believe that one day, with all the fruit that remains, when we get in heaven, which is our destination, we're going to meet people who we never knew, who we possibly will never have the opportunity to know that even existed because of your obedience. Yes, yes, 
Gina and I, together, have been married now for 27 years, have been faithfully giving to Faith Promise Missions every single month. And I know, by just having touched and glimpsed the hearts of the missionaries that are here, that they too give to missions. Why? Why do we do that as well? Because Christ is our refuge. And we don't want people to live in fear. We want others to know Christ. It really is that simple. The voice of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, time and time again in Scriptures, show us that He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That word, all, means everyone. Especially to all the heathen that are in that condition of raging in the nations. Far from here. I ask you this morning, is your passion for all people like God's passion for all people? This morning, there may be a few of us that need to come to these altars here this morning and say, Lord, give me your passion. God, help us not to have a passion for the things of this world and not a passion for reaching those who have been placed right next to us. May God break our hearts for the lost people in all the nations and right here in Kansas City. Do you please stand with me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? We're going to have a special time of invitation. As the musicians come and begin to play, no one's looking around. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If God has spoken to you this week about having a passion for souls, about delivering that gospel message that you have been so blessed to receive, if God has touched your heart and you need to come to recommit yourself afresh, to win people to Jesus, not just right here in your community, but by supporting missionaries, winning people to Christ all around the world through faith promise? Will you come? Maybe you've never been involved in the faith promise missions program of LifeBridge. Will you pray about that right now and then also throughout the week? If God is dealing with your heart, As soon as I pray and I say amen, I want you to slip out of your place and find a quiet spot right down here. No one is going to bother you. And just talk with God and make that commitment. Make that spiritual decision this morning that possibly will be a turning point in your life. Regina and I are praying that every single person will be able to participate In some way, the amount is not important. What is important is that we exercise our faith. Both young and old will get involved in faith promise. It's been such a blessing to our family personally. I would not want anyone at LifeBridge to miss out on that. Spend time now, right now, to consider to come up and pray about what God would put on your heart. And also, don't, don't, Fill out that card until you pray 
And I mean really pray, not plan and budget, but just pray and ask God, what would you have me to do? This is the time to respond. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the ministries of Life Bridge Baptist Church. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your word. Thank you that your word was inspired. Thank you, Lord, that we have a reliable go-to in our life that is our standard bearer, that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have communicated through your word for us not only to get involved in missions, but how to live our life, how to be filled with joy, how when all of the heathen and the nations are raging that we can be a light by just putting a smile on our face and simply inviting and asking them and sharing with them the joy that lives inside of us. Lord, break our hearts for people right here in Kansas City. Break our hearts for those that are in far-off places that need the gospel. Help us extend and do even more for you like never before. Lord, I pray if there would be someone that has never been involved in faith promise that you would touch their heart and they would come and just begin to pray about that. Not to feel any pressures, but to overcome the obstacles of stepping out and just praying. Lord, I ask that you take control of this service. Use your word for ourselves to be Christ to the nations. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life voluntarily so that we might be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you come? As the music's played, will you respond, church? Will you respond? Come to the altar here and just pray. Give of yourself. Pray about your commitment to faith promise missions. Pray that the nations will find a refuge in Jesus Christ. Pray that God will use you in that process of sharing the gospel. The opportunity is here at the altar for you to respond as needed.